Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. topic today is, it's actually one to stop and think about because a lot of people get property fever and house fever and just go and pull the trigger without thinking what's their life look like in two, three, four years time. So, welcome to My Millennial Money Property, John. How are you? I'm very well. And you, Glenn? Thank you. Um, what? I'm good. I'm very well. And you? Yeah, I'm well as well. Yeah. Right. And welcome to all of our listeners. Thanks for joining yes. us today. And thank you to Sean Wellman from Wellman Finance. Yep. If you are after a quality mortgage broker, he's in Melbourne. He can help you if you want face-to-face. If you're anywhere in Australia, he's competent and can help you as well. The thing I like about mortgage brokers is a broker will have access to specific products for complex situations, which might not be provided or able to be accessed if you walked into a branch no. of a lender or bank yes because they might only have five six seven eight products up their sleeve mm. where you might be self-employed you're bankrupt four years ago this that whatever that branch that you walked into they might do this john they might go yeah we can do it we'll apply it puts a, uh, an inquiry on your credit file yes oh no we can't do it go away so you've had an inquiry in your credit file you've wasted a lot of time the winner in that situation is the bank employee broker, or well, they're not even a broker if they're at a branch because they don't they broke their own products. But yep. and if you are a bank lender, shout out, love Hi. you, thanks for listening. Go get a job at a mortgage broker's office. Jokes, do what you want. Um, but but a good quality broker, all to say, like Welly would say, okay, yeah, based on what you've just told me, there's no way in the world we will put an application with that lender. Because no. they're going to ding you on the head. That's right. So, we're not wasting our time yeah. getting a credit file inquiry if we know it's not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. And it's weird we have to talk about this stuff, John, but it we do. does happen. Absolutely. And percentage-wise, what did you say? 64% use a mortgage broker and yeah, that's all? 55 to 60%, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Instead of going into a, a Ford car yard to buy a Ford, you can go to a car yard. Yes. That's general. That does all the car makes. All so, wellmanfinance.com.au. Jeez, we talked about him longer than what we agreed with him. Uh, he's getting bang. <laughs> he's getting bang for his buck. Sean Wellman, what up, Wellie, if you're listening? Yeah. So, how do I work out what I want in a long-term wealth plan, John? Mm, that's a good question. It's a common one that we get. I think we need to reverse engineer it and say, well, what is my long-term? What, what do I want when I'm older, um, when, I'm, when I'm 50 or when I'm 60 or when I'm 70 or whatever the age may be. And how does that work out in dollar figures? Now, it's very, I mean, you're throwing a little bit of a, a rock in the air and, and see where it lands, but I think you've got to have a starting point. So you might say, well, in today's dollars, you, you might want to have $3 million worth of assets by the time you retire and you put a a date on that retirement age, as an example. Now, I don't like to use the word retirement, but I'm going to use it for the sake of today. Yeah, I hate it. We'd like to maybe call it a transition to your your lifestyle phase. Your death. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So 
yeah, if you start to that point and say, righto, it is three million by fifty-five, right? We then work our way back to say, what do we need now, and what is then our next purchase after that to continually get ourselves on on the track to that three million dollar target? Now, for me, it's not necessarily the number of properties, and we're obviously talking property only here. It's more the wealth that you need or the wealth you can create. So if you've got $3 million worth of assets and you've got, say, $1 million worth of debt, you know that your net value is $2 million. So um, there's a number of ways that you can skin a cat when you reach that figure. Do we sell down on some? Do we keep them all? Do we live off the rent, et cetera, et cetera? And we'll talk a bit more about that in detail. But I think, first of all, you need to look way out in advance and have a bit of fun age 55 or 60 or whatever it is for you and then come back to that first step from here yeah we've talked about it before but we talk about like investing time horizons okay Mm. now if you've got we we like to say if you need the money within the next five years yeah okay don't invest it in an etf share market because it's very volatile. So if you are mm. saving for a home deposit yeah. and you want to buy it within a couple of years, that home, yep. you best to just leave the money in cash. Okay. Mm. So short term in, I guess, the equity investing world yep. and the cash world is probably under five years. Yep. And I mean, some of you have flipping car loans that are longer than that. So yeah. we just need to you know, know that short term planning is probably under five years i would imagine yes so what i like to think about with property as an investing strategy and looking for the long term how many times do you see john that someone gets house fever goes and buys a property Mm. 10 minutes later oh where circumstances have changed we're selling it now and they've just spent an extra 30 grand in stamp duty because they had to move or whatever yep when they just didn't step back and say, okay, what are the possible options or the the events that might unwind Mm. going forward? Yeah. So an example of that, and I'll use me as an example. (laughs) You're welcome, John. Uh, (laughs) You wanted a live case study. Yeah. And this is, again, going back to using a good quality mortgage broker. Yep. Uh, Shout out well if you're still listening, if we haven't insulted you. (laughs) So I purchased my house. It's a townhouse, it's a mm. three-bedroom. Mm-hmm. Part of the strategy was I happened to get it brand new because I wanted the first homeowner's grant and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Going out on a limb that I don't think I'll be living there for 10 years. Yep. I've been there five years now. I won't be there another five years. Yeah, that Okay. Yeah, no. okay. So what that meant was because it was a brand new townhouse in a really good location, I've had to structure the mortgage to be appropriate to adapt, mm. okay, mm-hmm. which is the use of an offset account. So if I did stay there for another 20 years, it's all good because the offset account's working. Yep. But if I did move out in the next year, it's also adaptable because my long-term strategy was I don't ever plan to sell this property. Sure, yeah. And within that kind of strategic direction, I don't mm. ever plan to sell this property, but I want to live in it for you know, sometime, at least five years. Yeah. But if something comes up and I need to move and buy another place, yeah, the structure of the mortgage is agile. Yeah, that's and right. And advantageous. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, and there's so many different ways you can create a long-term wealth plan, but there, 
the key for today is is playing the game or, or sitting down and saying, let's look 30 years, 40 years in advance and just see what that might look like for us, right? Now, I want to go through a little bit of a case study if I can. Sure. Right? We're going to have a bit of a fun. Oh, like fun. So um, implying that we're 25 years of age, mm-hmm. okay, we buy our first property and I'm going around figures because my it's maths easy. isn't great. Yeah. And we purchase our first property at 500000 and we're going to buy five properties in the next 10 years. Now, we're an aggressive property investor, right? So we want to save a deposit or create a deposit every two years, right? Now, that may mean either savings or equity in our portfolio. So if we do that, in 10 years' time, age 35, we have a portfolio of $3 million, six properties. Oh, sorry, five, five properties, two and a half million. How's my maths? It's fantastic. From then on, because it's a long-term wealth plan and it's set and forget and it's buy and hold and all those things, um, we're not doing mini developments or we're not flipping properties. It's just a, a basic boring old strategy. So from age 35, we're going to let our property portfolio run its course for the next 20 years. Mm. Because at age 55, we said, right, we've had enough of work. We're going to move into lifestyle phase and enjoy the next 30 years of our life because we're going to live to our 85. I'm just putting some numbers on it here today. So if we calculate performance per annum on any portfolio, like we can go and stick our neck out and say, let's project 7% or 10% or 12%, but we're going to be pretty conservative and say, if we get 5% annual growth on our portfolio, we'd be pretty happy. So 5% on $2.5 million worth of portfolio, which is our five properties. We bought those five properties for $500,000 each, which gives us our two and a half. Five percent on that per annum from age 35 on is 125 grand per annum that our portfolio is growing by. You with me, Glenn? Sure. <laughs> um, I thought you were talking to them and not me. Yeah, well, I am, but yeah. I need to know that yeah, you're sure. um, making sense of yes. it so that they make sense yes. of it. So 125 grand a year over 20 years will give you about 2.5 mil worth of net asset okay so two and a half mil the australian government would be pretty happy if an individual australian had two and a half mil worth of worth of net asset um in their possession by age 55 wouldn't they Mm. yep well it it just basically means you're well on the way to for being uh self-sufficient yeah that's right now that's a long-term buy and hold strategy with five properties now you might be sitting there saying well five properties freak me out or those dollars and that debt freaks me out. Now, there's obviously still going to be debt on that portfolio, but the increased value of set and forget portfolio has given us enough time to let it do its thing. Over that time, rent's going to be increasing. Um, It's going to be a self-sufficient portfolio in general so that in retirement or, sorry, lifestyle phase from 55 on, we've got the ability to say, no, I want to sell down one or two of those to reduce debt or I want to sell them all and take my money and run, or I actually want to keep the whole portfolio and then say, right, I'm just going to live off the cash flow of the rent, plus I want to work two or three days a week because I'm an active person and enjoy mm. working. Mm. That's an example of a long-term wealth plan. Yeah. Right. Now, as I said at the start, you can develop 50, 60, 70, 100 different ways 
of a long-term wealth plan but that's just one example that we can look at now you may be sitting here listening saying well that seems simple why doesn't everyone do it the issue is one most people aren't listening to financial podcasts or property podcasts at age 25 to do it yeah they're researching how they can get a freaking car loan and pay seven hundred dollars a month in their car repayment correct so you're already a step ahead there the second thing is people spending what they earn so they haven't got a savings plan in place to be able to save deposits and then thirdly they're not taking action with research or knowledge to make the wrong steps and then fourth if i can add that in to make the right steps or wrong steps sorry wrong steps right steps right steps yes to make the right <laughs> to make steps. the right steps yeah and then fourth people see some growth in the portfolio oh this 100 or 200 grand is pretty sexy i'm gonna sell my property and go and do something else with it so they mess with the the plan and then the plan blows up and doesn't work and Mm. we start from scratch that's really good to look at that that way um and it is a very i guess for the numbers people they love that okay and it makes sense Mm. the way i do my long-term wealth planning i'll give you an example john if today, right now, yep. I was in lifestyle age and not generating an income from work or toil or whatever. Yep. Is it toil? Toil and trouble? Yep. The reason, what I do is, if a property around the corner got $450 a week in rent, mm-hmm. okay, and if I wanted $1,500 a week to live off at the moment, yep. so 1500 times 52 Best part of 80 grand, right? Yep. So I might spend more than the average bear because of my lifestyle, but yes. whatever. So if I wanted $78,000 a year to live off, like today, mm-hmm. and if I divide that back by 52, then 1,500 divided by three, that's $500, okay? I need three properties today that I own. Outright. Outright. Yep. And this is loose bush maths, all right? Yes. I know yes. there's expenses and properties and all that. Yeah. But just loosely speaking, yeah. I want to have, by the time I'm 55 or 60, mm-hmm. three properties that I own yep. without debt. Yep. Okay. Four would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Or more. Whatever that, whatever your number is out there. Mm. So, my wealth building plan is I need to buy the Glen of tomorrow, an income producing asset today. Yes. And P and I and pay it off. Slow and steady wins the race. Along the way, acquire more property and do it that way. Yeah. And you might say, oh, inflation and all that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but we know in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years time, in tomorrow's dollars, it could be $3,000 a week. That's right. Worth of income. Yeah. But conversely, the property prices are worth more. You're earning more money yep. in tomorrow's economy. So that's a simplistic way that I look at it. Yeah. So I always go in with the intention of never to sell a property. Yep unless there's a strategy change and it makes sense for whatever reason. Mm. But that's kind of the way I look at it is a mm. simplistic view. Yeah. And so, then, but with on, like, I know this is the property podcast, but I've also well on the way to having three properties mm. and then any leftover cash goes into super and into an investment account. Yep. So again, I'm just focusing on living on less than I earn yep. and shoveling money into the future which is not getting my dirty mitts on it and spending it. Yeah, keeping it out of out of your way. Yeah, okay. So 
how quickly would you buy those three or would you need more than three to then pay down some of them well i think you need to buy as soon as you can yeah okay like, so as soon you're as possible. so you're still saying buy those three properties in the next six years yeah 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 you got okay. to do that yeah so that first part of it is the same you're just then focusing on paying down the principal on those three yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah, or yeah. at least making sure the principal's well and truly pretty much paid off Lowered. Yeah. by the time that I stop working. Yeah. Because then I might have other assets in super that I can just, if there's a hundred grand over the four properties that are yeah, debt, sure. you know, you just either keep it or whatever or just... So can you pull buy money out of super and pay it off? Yeah. Can you go interest only on all three? Buy five, and then sell two to pay down those three outright. Sure. Yeah. Why? Why couldn't you? Yeah. I, well, I guess it's just all got to do with strategy, and you know, are you more aggressive? Do you want to buy yeah. more interest only, free up cash flow, be aggressive, aggressive, aggressive? Yeah. Or I'm probably a bit more slow and considered. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, because because what I see in that. I'm not saying it's a wrong approach, by mm. the way. What I see when people start to pay principal and interest on multiple properties... Oh, it slows you down. Is their, well, their cash flow is impacted and their lifestyle is impacted mm. and they blame the property, so they sell the property. Yeah, exactly. So they've got to be measured in their numbers to know that they can afford the principal on multiple properties at any one time. Yeah. And if they can't, rearrange that strategy. What's your view... And for those listening, John and I don't really discuss these episodes before we go live. But what's your view, for example? So, I've got all mine on principal and interest. Yeah. A couple of years' time, five years' time, interest rates go up by 2% over mm. a 12-month period. Okay. Yep. Something, economy takes off and they've got to slow everyone down or whatever. Mm. Does me having my cash flow set to P&I give me that built-in buffer? So, if the going gets tough, I can then flick one, two or all of them to interest only for a five-year period to give me some breathing room so I don't have to sell the asset. Yeah, for sure. Because, because like conversely, the other way, if I've had all the stock on interest only, yeah. I don't have any other levers to pull. No, but if the property value is going up, then the LVR is in a much safer position to the banks to say, yeah, that, that's That's fine. right, but it still comes yeah. down to week-on-week cash flow. Correct, yeah. yeah. And what we're explaining is basically there's no one-size-fits-all approach and your income's ne- different to the next person to be mm. able to handle the P&I repayments. Mm. So it, it can't be doing what next door's doing. That's right. And I think overall, to make money in Australia is over a long period of time, keep out of consumer debt, over a long period of time, live on well and truly less than what you earn. Yeah. And over a long period of time, buy growth assets and don't sell them. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can give one strong bit of noise to the listeners here at this age, and I'm presuming that most of you are... Under 30. Under 30. Yeah. Right. You are on a fantastic track to financial wealth because you're doing the right things now. Now, I'm presuming that they're doing everything that we talk about. At the very least, it's free entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Because what I see is the reverse, where people get strangled in consumer debt through their 20s and 30s to to then get out the other side of kids when the kids are all grown up they're almost 50 and then they start their wealth creation journey at 50 right if you can get your wealth creation journey done before you're 40 you let the next 20 years look after itself 
right? So what I say by that is by the time you're 40, you should have a majority of your acquisition phase of buying property or shares or whatever it is already done. You don't want to be putting undue risk in your 50s by buying those assets so late in your working career. Yeah, yeah. You need time for the tree to grow. Yeah. It's like when I turn 55, if I want to stop shopping at the supermarket for lemons, Mm. I need a bloody lemon tree in the backyard, but I can't at age 55 turn around and plant a freaking lemon tree. Nah, it takes a bit long to to mature, doesn't it? That's right. Mm. So it's that type of analogy. Like the sooner you do it, the better that you'll be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, We've got a question, John, from one of our listeners. Andrew asks, and this is actually, this is an interesting question. I'm curious about preparing a property to be rented out and if you can claim it as an expense or does the property have to be rented first? So, for example, Uh, he owns a home, he moves out, hmm. does some work to it before a tenant goes in. Right. Yeah. Can that works be claimed? Like the sooner, um, the minute he moves out, yeah. is that then investment property? Nah, it's not income producing at that stage. So I would, I would say chat to your accountant, but my reading of that would be you need to have it rented out first and then get your renovations done to be able to claim those renovations. A lot of people when they buy property, the first thing they want to go and do is rip the guts out of it. Lick of paint, new carpets, all those sort of things. A lot of the time that renovation won't be able to be claimed in that year it'll be added to the cost base of the property when you sell it so you might wait for 12 months after renting it out for 12 months and then do the reno but that's not tax advice talk to an accountant yeah and a lot of things like one law they've recently changed the ato like if you had your property on the gold coast john you'd fly up once a year to inspect the property and all that and claim the flights just so happen you spent two weeks on the beach on the Gold Coast, <laughs> that's not allowed anymore. Ah, oh, spewing. <laughs> yeah, I've got an investment property yeah. in freaking Cancun, <laughs> Ibiza, uh, <laughs> Salmon Yak. Yeah. yeah. So, a little, uh, little gap loophole that uh, was closed. So Did get closed. Mm. All right. Question. See your accountant. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.